In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. And you know where we're going. Pack your bags, folks. All aboard. Next stop, pound time. And here's the 1-0 pitch to Matt. Swung on, launched to left field deep. Matt going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And a miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth is capped by Matt Chapman's three-run home run. And the A's have won the game. You're now listening to The Seam Hits with Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, and Rob Bermudez, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? It's The Seam Hits Podcast. Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, Rob Bermudez. As we record this on a Monday morning, it's Memorial Day, actually, and uh, I guess generally you don't want to record podcasts like too far before a ball game or before some some breaking news might happen, but I think safe to say, guys, we're not going to have a, a baseball game played before this podcast drops on Tuesday. Happy Memorial Day, guys, uh, or or uh, remembering uh, those who serve the country. Uh, how you doing today? Uh, good, man, and I uh, hope you guys are also doing as well, but I, there was one bit of good news, and I think this is important to, uh, to the entire sports world, is even though we're not going to have a game tomorrow, the governor of New York, uh, Mr. de Blasio, said that pro teams can return to their facilities. So I know that that's, you know, baseball isn't as dependent on practice facilities and that type of stuff as other teams are, but that's that's a big step because New York was the hardest hit place in the country. So if their governor is pulling back a little bit, then I think that speaks well for the entirety of our American sports culture. I hate to be that guy, Ted, but uh, Andrew Cuomo is the governor. De Blasio is the mayor of New York City. So yeah, you, you, oh, I would, I would, I would have got him, Rob. I would have got him if okay. you didn't get him. I was okay. going to get him, dude. We're yeah, a very right. accurate. I, 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 the seam right. heads were all about accuracy. Yes, no, you're <laughs> correct. I, I flipped it up in my head. No, but you know, it's it's just as I step outside earlier today it is a perfect day for baseball it's nice and warm the sun is shining like again public health and safety is number one but you there have been a a number of days especially this last week where it's like man this really would have been perfect baseball weather where it's like still upper 60s low 70s once the sun goes down would be perfect time to get a beer and and for some people hot dog for me a philly cheesesteak at the coliseum so you know, I really do hope baseball comes back this season because, I mean, the weather we're having, it's just we're ready for it. We're really ready for baseball. And and I think on, like, there's certain days like 4th of July, Memorial Day, there's just days that are built to be out in your house barbecuing or at the ballpark. And it's like one of the, if you're not watching the game at home while grilling, you're at the ballpark. And it's a shame that we don't get to have that moment this year. No, well said, Robin. I wrote that down. Uh as I was getting ready to come on for the podcast that um, 
Like there are days that are, I don't, I don't know the threshold. Maybe it is. Threshold is the right term uh, throughout a baseball calendar, right? You have the 54 games, which is, of course, a third of the season. You talk about opening day. You get your opening night. Uh, you get your 4th of July. But Memorial Day, to me, is the start of summer. That's what that always was. Because I, I, like once they started changing the school schedule when I was young to where you go, like, what do you start in August and you go till May? Like this right now, May 25th, you were like in the last week of school or we had one week left of finals. And then that was it. And you were home stretch for the summer you had baseball uh and that's really when i feel it where i've got days where there's nothing else going on which is i know most days now for everybody but that's when you feel it where the weather's nice as rob's talking about we've hit these big sort of milestone days throughout the calendar of the year and they don't really feel like those days because we don't have the the normalcy that comes with it and speaking of milestones just real quickly like i feel memorial day is one of those days where you look at if your team is are they overperforming, underperforming? This is kind of the time that you start looking and saying, this is an early, small sample size kind of, this is what your team is, right? You generally know Memorial Day is kind of that cutoff where you say, this is what my team is doing. This is what I'm expecting. I mean, for the A's, a little different. A lot of times they heat up right as that calendar flips over from May to June. But this is definitely, I think, one of the first points for a lot of a lot of fans of their team saying all right what do we have this isn't too early to call it and say oh we're just really overperforming i was gonna say copes your your time with marty is rubbing off on you because that's what he he's always big on the memorial day as the uh as a, a test uh, or a, a kind of a, a mark point of where the team is but like you guys had alluded to like this was something that i looked forward to all year like i said that i had these certain dates that were kind of my build up to when it was perfect baseball to be outside grilling listening to a game on the radio, drinking a beer. Like, this is perfect. The Memorial Day weekend is a, is a prime example of me getting into the, the start of that time of the year where I am outside grilling beer, barbecue, radio, baseball. Like, it's all, it should be happening. It ain't happening, guys. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. The, the difference with the, the Marty situation is that uh, Marty hits like the like every every single holiday that happens throughout the season. We go, you, you get the season started. What did we go? Like, uh, I don't know, March 29th or something, 27th. You're talking two weeks later. We got Jackie Robinson Day. Then we got like Mother's Day. We got Fourth of July. We got Father's Day. We got all these holidays that we hit throughout the season. But baseball is tied to them because they, they take up six months of the calendar. But uh, Rob said something that was interesting there, too, about how um, this is the point in the season or you would be getting to a point in the season where it's kind of like rubber meets the road. Uh, did any of your offseason acquisitions work out? Did uh, some of these youngsters you brought up to start the season, are they okay? Are they going to stay in the lineup or in the rotation? And I thought it was kind of a good a good opportunity to pick through some of those scenarios uh, with, uh, with Melissa Lockard's piece where, of course, she's the simulator general manager for the Oakland A's for the, what are they calling it, Rob and, and Ted? It's the athletic alternate... Out of the isn't it out of the ballpark simulation? Right, but I think they're calling it the TAAU, the Athletic Alternate Universe oh, yeah, for yeah, baseballs. Yeah. I think I think what they're titling it. Well, uh, the reason I bring it up is Melissa Lockard, who's been on with us, of course, a number of times, and you can read her uh, in the Athletic. Um, she's acting as the GM and she's made a number of trades and a number of, of moves on the roster. And it's not about who she got. Like she brought in Christian Walker from the diamondbacks. And I was like, damn, that's a, that's a hell of a pickup. That guy can slug it playing first base and, and some outfield. Um, but I wonder about some of the other elements to this team. A guy like Steven Piscotty, who's got seven and a half million per year owed to him through 2022, a guy like Marcus Semyon, who right now we were looking at, at his final season. I was thinking about this yesterday. If Semyon doesn't get a baseball season in at all this year, that's maybe beneficial to him when he hits the free agent market because uh, then he's just going off of his numbers from 2019 uh, just uh, in reading this piece what did you guys think about some of these moves or some of the player um, roadblocks that we could hit if we get into a season this year 
Just because you're stuck at home and the shelter in place doesn't mean you have to smell bad. Our friends from Hawthorne are all about smelling good. Getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy to do too. Now, with Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift can you give than the gift of smelling really nice? Especially when it's maybe been a while since we've kind of tried to look good and smell good. at The, the old sweatpants and, and our own body odor smell isn't really doing it for us. So why don't you do something nice and get your dad the gift of smelling fantastic? And it's super easy to do too. Here's how it works. You take a quick two-minute quiz and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work and one for play. You can try it totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off of your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. I mean, I was looking at the Simeon thing just because that's one of the most pressing things for the Oakland days. But, like, at what point do you start, like, well, what point during the year would the contract talks have begun? Like, would these have already been happening? Would they have been looking at his numbers already and decided to start throwing things at him? Do you think his agent would have already said, we're not going to have any talks until the year is over? I mean, that that's kind of one of the things that I was wondering about immediately when I started thinking about him my impression is that the the team knows he's coming off an eight war season where it's just that's that's buying high if you give him the extension immediately after that he's going to be asking a lot so I think there was going to be a lot of you wait and see what you do in the 2020 season if you have another great season you're a incredibly happy to have him for that season and then then you say okay well we'll, if we're going to keep you we'll open up the uh, the old coin purse but if he doesn't have the same success and i'm not saying if he struggles but if you go from an eight war player back to his normal three and a half four war player that there's a very large difference in in paycheck size between those two so i think they wanted the price on him to come down a little bit and they wanted to see to make sure that they weren't paying him a hefty hefty sum for this one season that he had last year I think he's a consistent, solid force in the lineup. I think his work ethic is really good, and, and it makes everyone around him want to work harder. He's the ultimate professional. I know Shooty's talked about it. A lot of guys have said, if, if you had to make a player, the, the makeup that you would have for that would be Marcus Simeon. You just want this guy who's always working, always trying to get better. And, uh, you know, it, it's true. He, he has been a great player especially the past couple years but we've never had any off the field issues we've never heard any complaining from him he's just worked 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 and went from uh, a potential you know a liability in the field to being a gold glove finalist and so I, I think the one kind of I don't really want to call it a silver lining too much but if you look at what the A's are dealing with they have that decision of well who do you keep Franklin Barreto or Jorge Mateo now, one of the reasons that you might have favored Jorge Mateo is because he's been playing a lot more shortstop recently, and if they have expanded rosters and you're able to hold on to both of those and you didn't have to get rid of one, and Simeon does leave and, and signs somewhere else in free agency, well, then you still have both of those young guys that you could see if, if one or one of the two of those could stick at shortstop. So yeah, it's not ideal. Ideally, we would be playing baseball right now. And ideally, after this season, they extend Marcus Simeon for another anywhere from three to five years, I think would be great. I'd love to keep him in the Bay Area, but it just 
there's just so much on the uh, so much up for discussion and if you give that money to, to marcus Semyon, well does that hinder your ability to sign chapman or olsen and if well, you have they, to pick Rob, between let me jump those in three there because like here's the question to me is that to me the a's are only going to keep one which is it going to be of, of olsen chapman and Simeon? so which one which one copes and and rob do you guys want well, I, I, given the choice, I keep Chapman, and I'm with you. I think they can only keep one, and it's a matter of when they start making these moves because it's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to be an Isringhausen, Giambi, um, uh, like like all those guys who left the the 2001 A's. Is that when they all left after 01? Um, like it's not going to be a situation like that. It's going to kind of trickle in because of how young these guys are and how much team control they have. But uh, as you guys are talking about, like Marcus Simeon right now is the second highest paid player on the team. He makes up 14% of the salary. For all of the Oakland A's, he and Chris Davis together make up 31% or 32% of the entire roster salary. So Chris Davis obviously is not a problem because he comes off the book soon, but a guy like Steven Piscotti, who's at seven and a half million for the next three years, that's a, that's a real deal where you've got to start talking about, can we afford to pay this guy 21 million? While uh, you mentioned, you know, keeping one of the three with Olsen Chapman and, and, and Semyon, what about Ramon Laureano? Who's going to pay that guy? Or Jesus Lazardo. I mean, that that's when you got to start thinking. I know that they don't want to. There's a lot of risk when you do extend a player who's still very, very early on in their career. I mean, Jesus Lazardo has, has what, a dozen games at the big league level. But if you're thinking about long term, and it, it is kind of messed up that you're talking about limiting how much a, a player is going to be making. But if you say, hey, Jesus Lazardo, you have an injury history in the past. We're willing to give you a contract that that spans eight, ten years and it's going to be you're going to be making more than league minimum, but you know on the back end you, you definitely will be making less than you normally why would. Why would why would why would the A's offer that? What like to what they have is there he they have him under team control for the next five years anyway, right? So like why would it be beneficial? You'd rather him get to arbitration and then maybe come to a situation where you say we're willing to buy out your arbitration years. But I was going to ask you guys that I don't recall the A's having done that a whole lot with players that were like, like giving them the, the examples I think of are like the, uh, the Madison Bumgarner deal, right? Where the giants did that, where they paid him 11 a year for like three years or four years. And he made almost nothing because he outpitched the value of his deal. But when they bought out his arbitration years, they were concerned. This guy could get up to a spot like Mookie Betts where he's making 25 million because we didn't buy out these, these years. I think that if anyone's going to have that issue, it's going to be Matt Chapman. I think his, uh, like you look at what uh what Josh Donaldson got in arbitration and and you look at Chris Bryant you look at some of these other third basemen that put up big numbers their arbitration numbers got big really quickly and so if you're the A's I think there is some urgency with Matt Chapman I know he's still under team control I know he's he's not making the big money yet but that can very quickly balloon to where that number is bigger than what the A's are used to paying out and so uh, I, I have to wonder, too, they say they're not going to boost the payroll until shovels are in the ground, the new stadium's being built. But I wonder if, like, if the A's go on a on a run, right? Let's say we get baseball in 2020, the A's make a deep postseason push and are in the World Series or whatever you want to call it. And even if they don't win it, they they get right there. And then the next season in 2021, they, they make another deep postseason push and they're in the World Series and say they win a World Series. And all of a sudden you have that boost in revenue that comes with deep playoff pushes with World Series wins. Do you think that the the ownership would say, hey, look, we, we know we don't have a shovel in the ground quite yet, but we are seeing an increased revenue because we're in the playoffs, because we have this team, let's try to keep it together? Uh, I mean, based on past history, no, because there's, as we've said before, do you think, because the increased revenue is going to be coming from increased attendance 
Like the gates, we don't even know what gates will look like in California. That's that's the thing. It's like we don't know if it's going to be limited to a certain number of seats going forward. So, I mean, it, if it they, might legit if, be the same number of people they got coming in now. You know what exactly. I mean? like, which is I'm legit. serious, which is why yeah. even if they even if they have like an awesome season, they yeah. might not be able to leave the fans in. And the gate is that what is that like? Look at the Giants. They 60 percent of their revenue is the gate. So if the A's don't even have that, how could they how could they come close to trying to spend their money? That postseason merch, man. That World Series <laughs> yeah, champion that. shirt that runs thirty dollars and costs two bucks to make. I mean, you that that is a good point. I'm not saying it's not nothing, but I mean that's not that's not gonna be enough for the A's. The A's have to have a packed house and for them it's shovels in the ground because they know they can take that that risk. They know they can play the chance game that because they're gonna be making it up and then some which is what the Giants can do, the A's can't right now. I mean, that's even until until it shovels in the ground. I mean, that's, that's just my opinion. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'm 100% right. I would love to see that happen. But, I mean, I, like I said, the, the thing that your theory is not erroneous. The problem is we don't know how many people are going to be allowed in baseball stadiums in California. And we don't know how much money people are going to have to be spending on jerseys and hats, even if they do make it to the postseason. I was just thinking of... This conversation's getting depressing, guys. <laughs> well, when we were talking about the whole Astros scandal, which doesn't that seem like it was three seasons ago? Like we have oh, you this mean the hearing... team that hasn't been the, the players that haven't been punished. Those guys, yeah, yeah it does seem like a while ago. How, just, dude, how good? How good did they get off, dude? Not only oh, did they uh, not get punished, dude, dude, I they don't even have to play. <laughs> they don't have to play. They should it's be. They were, they were getting beaned in spring ball. They were getting booed, and it all just went away. And now uh, nobody's talking about the Astros. But when we were talking Ooh. about that five million dollar fine that they got, we're like, that's absolutely nothing. The the playoff shares, the amount of money they made from being in the World Series those years was way more than five million dollars. Got me thinking. Well, how much money would a team like the A's make if they did go and make a deep World Series run? Is that something that would be kind of just a, a tiny amount, or would it be something that could be serious change that might be the difference in being able to sign a second player as opposed to just one? From what I'm seeing here, well, okay, the World Series collects 36 percent of the playoff pool, so that's. I mean, I don't have the exact number. It's year to year, obviously. Um, oh no, that's just for the individual players. Damn it! Well, I think yes. I think I think that yeah, you're you're talking playoff shares like for the amount of money yeah. that the the players get from that winning team, they get thirty six percent of the share. No, no, I but I mean we're the, talking about the teams get a share of the television revenue, right? Of course, that's of that revenue, and, yeah. And that's why they're saying the expanded playoffs, if they do that, is going to help that fifty fifty revenue split. That's what the owners are arguing with the players' union right now. What I was going to say is we're kind of talking about two different things here. Rob's talking about how much money goes into the A's pockets if they were to win a World Series, and then how could they spend that money if they turn around and say, "Let's pour that money into Matt Olson's face," so now we can keep Chapman and Olson. I don't think that's the issue. It's about making that extra money and then the owners saying, yeah, we're okay spending that money on the team and not just pocketing it because they look at that and say, well, we've been waiting 30 years for this. We've been waiting 20 years for this. We finally got our ring. Now I can make some money off of this thing and, and line my pockets with it. It's not so much about how much money comes in at the World Series. It's about the decision at the top to say, we want to be a $200 million payroll. We want to be a $150 million payroll and not be 25th or 24th every single season we're going to spend some coin and keep our guys that's what it comes down to but you don't think if, if they win and they start seeing a, a surge of cash like oh oh shit making it to the world series and winning it has has lined our pockets a lot because at the end of the day the only thing that's going to matter to the owners is money 
right? Like they're not going to constantly spend more than they're making because they don't want to lose money, even if they have a ton of it. And, you know, everyday people like us are like, well, why do the hell do you own a team if you have all this money and you're just not willing to spend it to have a good team? But I, I wonder, again, these are all hypotheticals. It's very likely that they win. They're like, oh, wow, we got this extra money. We're going to pocket it and do nothing with it. But I would think if they if they realize that, hey, we can keep some of our players, keep making these deep pushes and make more money because of it, that seems like it would be appealing. No? No. I mean, I, I, I listen, you're not wrong, but that's not going to happen with the A's ownership. I mean, that's they're just looking at the equity value. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. is like they're saying the reason they can get away with being 24th and 25th in payroll is because the, the, the rising tide is lifting the values of every franchise in Major League Baseball. It doesn't matter if they're... 12th in payroll, third in payroll, or, you know, 25th. They're just, the value keeps on going up. That's that's the main, that's why they're not investing the money in the payroll because they'll just take it as a loss. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine. Whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise or meditation, but not everyone has time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Did you know 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com athletic drinkhydrant.com slash athletic that's drinkhydrant.com slash athletic for 25% off your first order drinkhydrant.com slash athletic Rob what I was going to say like the the other side of the the coin that you're making the case for like you come in with this extra money if you win a world series and you have a bottom 10 payroll what makes you turn around and say hey now I need to triple my payroll to win a World Series you just saw you could do it with pennies on the dollar like everybody else you can build from within you can win a World Series you can go to a World Series with a, a bottom 10 payroll and play against the Yankees and play against the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Astros and all these teams I don't know why an owner would say yeah we just spent so little money let's turn around and double that and hope we get it done again and and mortgage yourself into a situation where now you've got bad contracts that is something the A's have have done well as well it's been frustrating i think forever for fans to lose their their guys the guys who you love and you you see them come up through the system they don't dish out a whole lot of bad deals well copes to that point that's exactly what the marlins did twice they won world series and immediately got rid of all their talent because they they made their money and they said okay we're not going to see a return on investing from these players but that doesn't make anybody happy you know what i mean like to, that's what rob says it's like dude yeah. that, how how could you be happy as if, as a fan of any team like that if if uh like they win the world series and they just dismantle um well but and by the, the way they that's did, that's the thing is the fan as fans we're suckers cuz they yeah, uh, yeah. oh you're you know, it's like no it's like it's like seriously not to take a, a knock at the 49ers but it's like what's their whole thing the the loyal is that their 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 franchise tag 49er faithful the faithful, the faithful. That's mocking 49ers fans like, hey, we absolutely destroyed this franchise for most of the post-Bill Walsh era or most of since the end of uh, the Eddie DeBartolo era, I'll say that. But it's like, but you're faithful, right? Are you faithful? Are you going to keep on investing in our bad team so we can get a beautiful new stadium? 
Like that that's that's it, that's it, not it, in San Francisco. A, yeah, it's making a mockery <laughs> of the fans. That's what all that's I mean, that's a big part of it. It's like, are you you know, are you a into your team enough to kind of be like, well, yeah, this sucks, but hey, that was great in the past. Let's see if we can get that high again. Let's see if we can get that taste. I mean, that's what we're all doing. We're all chasing that feeling that got us hooked on these teams. And that's what they're banking. It's emotional gambling, right? I I'm willing to bet X amount of happiness if we lose. And if we win, if we win, I'm double the happiness. If I lose, I'm half the happiness and it's emotional gambling based on something that we have absolutely no control over. The, the whole concept of it is kind of crazy. If you think about it, if I, if I was just explaining to a random person, yeah, your entire mood for the day is going to be dependent on something that you have no control over. And you're going to keep doing again and again. And like 99% of the time, your team is not going to win at all. And you'll see that as a failure, but it's still fun. And people will be like, what the hell are you talking about? That sounds miserable. Well, but- but the argument to the contrary there, though, is that you look at the Red Sox, who have won it four times in the last 17 years. And, and they, they went have, 80, 80 how many years before they had it? So it's like, oh, 80, 80, it's yeah, fickle. But, I mean, Sports once, are fickle. But once like they that. started playing the Yankees game of just spending, 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 they didn't accidentally win four times. They bought the best players. I mean, that's that, that's the thing. It's like, it's not it's not as random as you make it sound. Like, you can you can give yourself a really good chance of winning, like the Yankees like the 49ers did in the 80s and into the 90s. They had the highest payroll. They won five World Series or five Super Bowls. Like it's, it's not that random, Rob. Let's, let's, not, <laughs> let's not be dishonest. Yeah, I tell you what, Johnny Damon wasn't playing center field for free. You know what I yeah, mean? Right? Like, <laughs> he was a Red Sox because they could afford to pay Johnny Damon to be a Red Sox. Like, uh, and multiple teams flipped him, right? I mean, the Royals flipped him to the A's, and then the A's could not keep him because he was a hot commodity free agent. So uh, that's just that's just kind of the way that stuff rolls. But um, what are your guys' thoughts on a salary cap and floor? I, I feel like it, in football, there is so much year in year out competition. You tank for a year. I mean, it's different because minor league baseball, you can get a high draft pick, and it's three years before you see him but i just i feel like that that having that minimum salary threshold that's something i would like to see instituted it, like the salary cap one thing but definitely the salary floor because i'm tired of owners like the ownership in tampa the ownership in oakland and and, and kansas city spending crumbs crumbs of, of of what they should be spending on and it's it's not fair to these markets and and i think there has to be a way to balance it out where you have revenue sharing without that being the sole way of making revenue saying you're going to have to spend your money and, and we will assist you a little bit if you're a smaller market team. But I just really like the concept of you're not allowed to just get the, the value you want from your players and then flip them before they get too expensive and dump them like what the Marlins have done. Well, I would say that's the flaw in getting rid of the revenue sharing because when they were doing that, they were saying, okay, teams like the A's will have to start spending more. But that's why I keep on saying that it's not about the year in, year out. It's the long con. It's the equity value of the franchise. That's why it doesn't matter what they do or don't invest. I I, I would like to see the, the salary floor. I, I don't have a problem with it at all, but I think that's what they were trying to do by eliminating the revenue sharing. That was supposed to be the the impetus for these teams like the A's, like the Rays, to be like, oh, yeah, we got we to gotta spend more money if we're going to turn if we're going to be a more viable business entity. But that's to me, it's always the the equity value of the team. 
Well, and, and Rob, this is a question that like, it's a, it's a valid question. It's something that has to be discussed because tanking in baseball has changed a lot in the last like four to five years. And part of that I think has to do with how quickly guys are getting to the majors from like, you, you make a good point in that, like you make a first round draft pick or a second round draft pick in the, in the MLB draft. And you may not see that guy for three years, or that guy may just go play football instead of playing baseball. Like oh, it, could happen, it, it could happen, could happen to anybody, you know? Uh, but, but um, as far as like, uh, as far as like, you get guys like Ronald Acuna who are shooting through. Wander Franco is going to be here this year, right? Joey Barca drafted two years ago. He was going to debut this year. Lazardo and Puck, barring injury, these guys fly through the minor league system. I think the tank now, we're seeing it at a greater rate because, like, I'm looking right now at the, the bottom salaries in Major League Baseball. Right now up at the top, the Yankees uh, are number one with 250. The Dodgers are number two, 222. The Astros are Jesus. three with 210. 250 this, for the Yankees? Yeah, Good Lord, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but they've been up at 250 and 200 for, for about a decade. Like, it's been yeah. up there oh, yeah. for a long time. Um, the outrageous thing here is they've got a team in their division, two teams in their division, both the Orioles and the Rays. The Rays are at $67 million. Uh, They're the 27th in the league. Uh, at 30th in the league is the Baltimore Orioles. Their team salary is $56 million for this year. And I'm just going to give it to you real quick because Chris Davis, they opted to pay him. Remember the big slugging first baseman? They opted to pay him instead of Manny Machado. He makes up 37% of their salary for this year. He's making $21 million of the $56 million. Well, to be fair, he's uh, got 37% of the strikeouts on the team, too. So to, uh, fair, also, also fair. And I think you're shooting low uh, if 37% is the, uh, the strikeout rate. Um, but it is crazy, right? That's that's a bad investment that they decided we got to pay one of these guys. We're not going to pay Machado. We're going to pay Chris Davis because they thought they had a window of time with he and Adam Jones and uh, a couple of the guys that were there and, and obvious JJ Hardy. And it just didn't work out. They didn't get it done because <laughs> because Showalter stuck with Ubaldo Jimenez yeah. instead of Zach <laughs> Britton. It's not even all like Chris laugh- Davis, but now we're like making fun of I was laughing at that meme the, the other my plans that showed Britton 2020 and it was Showalter because I was like, God, that team was good. Like not too long ago. Yeah. They were really, really good. And then last year, they were a goddamn blooper reel, man. You had the uh, Benny Hill theme playing, watching him play outfield. I mean, it was just unbelievable. How dude, he was warm. He was the, he's the oh, best he was, dude, he was warm. baseball, yeah. and he was warm. No, no, we'll, we'll keep him on the deck. Just uh, It's like, what are you doing? Ubaldo was surprised he was still throwing. He's like, really? You're not coming to get me? I'm still, I'm still in here? You, you know, there's always those like on Twitter. It's like peak XYZ was a problem. Peak Ubaldo Jimenez was was legit for that half a Dude, season was, yeah, in Colorado. That first year, it was that 2009, 2010. He's he throwing like really 97 mile an hour two seamers painting at the knees. I was like, oh man, how does anyone hit yeah, this guy? 13 like a, wins like before the All-Star win. break. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was insane. He was insane. Yeah. Then what happened? <laughs> that, was like, that was like the last the everybody heard from him. Yeah. That was it, dude. Uh, you can't get by just throwing that hard. Uh, that was it. Rob, I was actually going to point this out to you. I couldn't find the note before we got out here, but you were probably a little bit too young. But when Alex Rodriguez signed his contract with the Texas Rangers, the 10-year, $250 million one, the first $200 million contract that A-Rod signed, um, at one point, and I think it was the first season he was in Texas, his salary was more than the entire Tampa Bay Devil Rays roster. Like their whole, I think he was making twenty five, and their entire roster was making somewhere like twenty say or twenty three or twenty four somewhere there. I was trying to find Jeez. it for you, but dude, Copes, uh, my favorite part of that stuff. was Charles Barkley when that came out. He said, "Guys, we are doing this a disservice by calling it two hundred fifty million dollars." He's like, "It's a quarter billion." He's like, "They're giving him a quarter billion dollars to play baseball." And I was like, yeah, that actually, that, that, that does sound a little bit more accurate. A quarter of a billion. And then, by the way, he opted his ass out, and he's like, yeah, I'll sign for 270 more, and then lop, lop a few more years on the back end of this yeah. thing. 
Throw a couple more on. I'm going to keep playing. Do you remember hey, man, when it was the Lucy Goosey era? Do you remember there you was do. like rumblings that the A's were looking for maybe a DH a couple years back and A-Rod was a potential guy they were thinking of of looking in? Or maybe it was, I don't know if it was the A's looking into him or like fans saying how interesting would this be? But it seems Dude, like it was not that long ago. We about maybe moves. Did you see the move that the A's almost traded for Bryce Harper? Yeah. In 2018? At the deadline. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine and there was, there was how unearthed video reacted to that? From, it was like a Little League... Not Little League World Series. It was something else, but it was Bryce Harper as a kid, and it said favorite team underneath Oakland A's. It could happen. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was in the Little League World Series. Yeah, he used he, that was weird. I saw that same video clip too, and I was like, really? He picked the A's as his favorite team out of Vegas, or like and Adrian like, Beltre. They were they were trying to sign him in like 2013 or whatever. Um, the the A's apparently made a big push for Adrian Beltre, and he ended up going sticking with Texas. The A's, the A's will go after a, a washed up uh, a DH. The A's love their Hideki Matsui's, their Edwin uh, Encarnacion, baby. Can I can I offer you a Billy Butler? <sighs> uh, can I give you a? Can I throw a Mike Piazza, a Nomar, Frank Thomas? Obviously, the best working one. But then uh, uh, he went on to play for a couple more years. I think he got some MVP votes in Toronto after that. Anyway, but um, anyway. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, fun show, fun talking just uh, about players today. That was actually a little bit of a different show today, getting to talk uh, like not so, boy, I hope we get to play baseball, but instead, what are the A's going to do with some actual problems, whether they play or not? These are going to be uh, some salary issues that they run into at some point later this year or into next offseason, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, if you are looking for a free 90-day trial of The Athletic, and you can read that Melissa Lockard piece on the uh, alternate universe that The Athletic is doing with their uh, out-of-the-park baseball simulations, uh, go to theathletic.com slash steamheads. You can get your free 90-day trial, and we will be back with you guys later this week. We'll talk to you then.